This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Cody. Yeah, that was your favorite horse. I think you like Cody. I love Cody. I used to go in there and clean his stall out, and he was he was he was my buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite riding horses. I never could get Philip on a horse, <laughs> uh, the, and the horse is very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I have a very special guest on the podcast today. Hopefully most of you all know this guy. This is Coach Joe Witt, who spent 25 years at Auburn as an assistant coach for under four different head coaches. Also have Philip Marshall and Ronnie Sanders from AuburnUndercover.com. Joining us here today, before we get rolling, Joe, I know it's been, uh, no, it's been a few years, but uh, how, how is retired life been treating you after uh, after having your nose to the grindstone for for so long at Auburn. Oh, it's been great. It's uh, you know I didn't I didn't know you, it was so good being retired, um, <clears throat> having the opportunity to do what you want to do, go places you like to go, uh, hunting, fishing, visiting friends, and just generally doing what I want to do. Many times that's nothing. <laughs> I thought you'd always done what you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, I did. Coaching was what I want to do, but you know, it's you know what coaching is like, Ronnie. It's it's uh, seven days a week, twenty four seven, and if you're gonna do it well, you better better put in the time in to pay attention to details, and that's what I tried to do. Do you and James still have that farm? Yes, we do. There you go. And, and that's uh, retirement has given me a lot of opportunity to do some things to the farm that I'm always wanted to get done. Uh, we continue this. It's something to do every day on any kind of farm, you know, you watching it from afar now. Uh, but where do you see, where do you see college football headed with NIL and transfers and all the things that are, that are going on? Well, first of all, I'll say I'm glad I'm not in, in college football at this time. Uh, be quite honest with you. Uh, I don't like either one as it stands today. I, I like both of them if they tweak it and get some kind of rules and and um, uh, standards, caps. I think the thing that I see, and I don't know a whole lot about it, so but I, I'll tell you what I think about it, which that's what you asked. I think they just went into it without really thinking about all the things that can be involved 
or how it, how it affects the, uh, the student-athlete negative to that. And I think when they fix those things, I don't think it's good for a student-athlete to be able to transfer anytime he wants and go play. I think it's good for him to transfer, but I think that should be a penalty for for transfer, not transferred from a school in the conference going directly to another school and playing the next year. So that's some things I disagree with. I think they should be compensated, but I think that should be in some way uh, balanced the playing field, not where you know, the rich get richer and the poor bills come along, you know. But I do think players ought to have some type of conversation. Walk me through the the journey for you and James Daniel back in back in nineteen eighty one. Not only for y'all to take that jump from from for Coach Die to pull you guys from the from the high school ranks up to up to the college ranks, but also for for you two to be the first African American coaches ever at Auburn. Well, uh, number one, Coach Di made made all of it happen. He was a man. He was a great leader. So it wasn't very difficult for me nor James. Uh, we had a job to do. And uh, when I came to Auburn to coach, and I tell people this all the time, you know, we, we know, obviously, we're black and proud of it, you know, but uh, that's where it stopped. Everything else is, is based on ability, what you do for the program and how you do your job and how well and how you communicate. So James and I had, had both worked in a situation of being the only. And, uh, you know, I coached at a high school that I was the only black coach there. Uh, came here with Auburn with James, and it was, it was my teammate, former teammate, college teammate. So that was very easy. And then we had a good staff. We had a staff of young coaches that were eager to uh, to build Auburn, to, to build a football program. And in addition to that, uh, as I said before, Coach Dye, the leader, he didn't have it but one way. Uh, everybody was on one team. I remember when I came to Auburn in 1981, they had a recruiting list, and they had the recruiting list, if I believe – uh, it was blue chip, blue, uh, yellow, and red. Red meaning that he's probably not recruitable. And then they out beside it, BNW. And Coach Dye looked at it and he said, I understand that blue and yellow and red, but what, what is the BNW? And uh, I remember Frank Young, who had been at Auburn, said, well, this is uh, – that's black and white, Coach. He said, well, hell, take that off. I don't want to know whether they're black or white. I want to know if they can play football. I don't give a blank about anything else but them playing football and their character. So that was, you know, that's the way he that's the way he built the program. Hey, y'all, y'all probably don't know that, that you're talking to one of the great wrestling coaches in the history of the state of Alabama high schools. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I did coach high school wrestling, had a lot of success. And it, it, because of the feeder programs that we had coming to Robert E. Lee, and we were fortunate enough to win some state championships and produced a lot of good young men that uh, 
that are husbands and grandfathers and some of them are grandfathers now. But uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of success doing it. I had no idea you were a wrestling coach. I, uh, you mentioned Coach Daniel a while ago. I, I remember the first time I met him. I, I used to help, for everybody that doesn't know, I used to help Coach Witt on his farm. And Coach Daniel was out there visiting, was out there staying at his house. And he saw me out there in the yard, and he came out the door, and he says, who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I hey, told him, I'm, not sure he, I'm not sure he blamed me. How that sound, you know, with him, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Joe, what do you think about the the uh were there any good were they would you get any good coverage in those days? Yeah, I, I it's not like today. Today you get in too much coverage, but I thought <laughs> uh you got good coverage and I particularly you and uh, there were several guys that, that I thought was that just did a great job. And 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 uh, particularly for assistant coaching, we had a we had a, a radio show and a TV show, if you remember back then. Yeah, that we did. Uh, so that was good, and so we had exposure, I should say, and coverage, and it was civil. But now with the uh, iPhone and the uh, text, tweets, and all the other. It's difficult, I guess, for these coaches. I'll, I'll tell you, Joey, you know, I don't know how many hours you and I spent me sitting on the other side of your desk talking about football and life and family and, and all, all those things. And uh, if I was to just show up back there walking down the hall uh, these days, somebody would have a heart attack. I don't think uh, down too many. Stop before you get there. Yeah, yeah, different time. Yeah, those. I don't think better though. Say again. I said I don't think the times are better. I know. I don't. I don't either. You know, from from that standpoint, I just I thought we had more a better relationship. I tell you something else that we enjoy doing that that I don't think anyone does now is the SEC, and I believe it was SEC uh, did it. we had a media day up at Stillwaters. What, what, did that include? No, that was that was all. That was that wasn't the SEC. That was just Auburn did it. Alabama did it. A lot okay. of people did it. Okay, I know Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia all had them, and, and I thought that was good. The media come in. You got it was fun, and spend a lot of time, and you know it's just fun. Maybe yeah, it, it was a relaxed time when there wasn't. Uh, it were no, no football being played. It was in the summer, and uh, it was it was a time to really get to know get to know each other a little better. And I, I miss those days too. I miss those days uh, because I always look forward to spending time with different media outlets across the state. Yeah, you guys had you guys had all mentioned the the farm, uh, Coach Wood. I should have mentioned this to you before. I, I interned for Pat Dye about four or five years ago. Okay. Yes, yeah, so similar to how Ronnie was the farmhand. I was doing stuff on the on the the maple tree farm. Maple for, tree. Yeah, yep, the Japanese maples, helping him uh, round up round up his dogs and anything he wanted to do. He loved to get uh, loved to get Mexican food. We did that about three times a week. Um, yeah. But you know, just just how influential you, you mentioned at the beginning of of your career at Auburn when you came there. But you, know, you obviously worked for for other head coaches. How influential was 
Coach Die and, and what he instilled in you guys for the rest of your coaching career? Well, I think that uh, Coach Die and myself and James, we had a great relationship. He, uh, he was my boss, worked for him for 12 years, but then he, he was on the uh, – he went in another direction doing the maples. Was, he went as hard with the maple trees and nut alls and the Auburn Tumas Oaks and things as he did coaching so we talked a lot he and i talked weekly and uh we talked about everything and and we were friends just just uh his he became part of my family and i became a part of his family and i knew most of his family's brothers and sisters and nephews and as did he know my family can you talk about the difference between um Coach Dye and Coach Tuberville and Terry and uh, the different coaches you worked for? Well, you know, they all, in a good way, they all are different. You know, I work for three different coaches, and, and uh, all of them have their own skill set. Coach Dye's strength was total leadership, and and he, he would surprise you. He knew everything on both sides of the ball and kicking game. And you wonder how he knew that, but he did. Because he would come into meeting, he'll talk about what he saw in every area. Uh, I think Terry, when you get to Terry, he was more involved with the offense. He was an offensive coach, and he spent time with the offense hardly any time with defense or no time. He spent time with that, and that was his – and he was a very good offensive coach uh, and a good coach. So uh, he did that, and obviously when I coached with, with uh, Tommy, Tommy was more like a CEO that uh, spent more time, I would say, with, with uh, just being the face of the program and let I leave the coach to the defense coach, off coordinators and offensive coordinator. And he, Tommy got involved with the kicking game. That was his, he wanted to make sure that the kicking game was, was uh, in place. And, and, uh, but they all had their way of doing things and they all were successful. Joe, with, with big recruiting weekend coming up, a lot of talk about recruiting, uh, you were extremely successful in that area, uh, not just in recruiting some high-profile guys, but guys like Cinderic Marks comes to mind, and uh, uh, and others who who weren't necessarily uh, blue chip prospects that became blue chip players. Just talk about how you approach that during those days, and do you think that still is is what's important today? If you're going to be successful, I think it's, it's very important. It's more important now than than it was back then because, you know, with the NIL, with you with, with paying a guy, you better know what you're looking at. And obviously, when you get him there as a freshman, you can when you get to your institution. From what I understand, after he's there, you can put him on the NIL. Well, you better know what he's capable of doing for the long term 
if you're going to get a return on your investment. Uh, so that's the first thing. But to, to, for me, the number one thing in football, whether it be college or pro, is the evaluation. Can a guy play? Does he love football? You know, a lot of times coaches go strictly on the height, weight, and speed and don't understand the character of the kid, hadn't looked into it. If a guy can play football and he love football, he's going to have a chance. He'll weather the storm. When things get tough, he'll get through it. But if he doesn't like football and it get hot and his mouth is dry and you you push him just a little bit further, I guarantee in this culture he'll be calling the mama say, I'm going into the transfer portal. I had a bad day. I, they don't like me here. As, you know, if you evaluate the kid and he likes football, that don't cross his mind. He understand. And then if you're coaching, you got to have kids know that it's for whatever you do is for them. It's not you. You're trying to make them better. You're trying to get them the opportunity to, to achieve what they want in their hearts. And if they get what they want, then everybody will. Who are some of your favorite players? Oh, I, boy, a bunch of them. I got so many. I won't call any name because I, somebody going to see your podcast running and, and say, well, that was my favorite player. He didn't call my name. I coached. Let me tell you one thing. I was very, very fortunate at Auburn University to coach a lot of good players and even coach some great players. And I will say, I, I don't remember coaching a single player that I was dealt with in my 25 years that I didn't like. We might have started out where he didn't like me and I didn't like what he was doing to you know as well. And I told him, if you don't give great effort and, and don't go to class and don't go to study hall, you ain't going to like me and I'm not going to like you. But if you do those things, then we're going to get along fine. And eventually we all came to terms. And, and I can't think of anybody that I coached in 25 years that I can say, man, you know, I didn't like that kid. I liked every kid I worked with. Some better than others, some closer than them. But I genuinely liked every kid I coached and enjoyed working with them. And I was fortunate, again, to coach some great players. All-Americans, first-round draft pick, all-SEC, every gamut. I, every so all pros made all you know just great players. You know, Tommy H. He told me a story one time. One time, Joe, that uh, he said that he said he started thinking he might go to Alabama, and uh, <laughs> and, and he went and told his grandmother that he was going to go to Alabama, and she very quickly informed him that he was not going to Alabama. He was going to Auburn, and he said that that was the end of it. Just talk, talk about recruiting, recruiting mamas and grandmamas and daddies in addition to players. Well, you know, for me, I knew, and I, yeah, I, you want to get close to the mamas and grandmamas and dads and family. And, 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 and then I think most of all, I knew, I knew how my mom was. She wanted me to go to college. 
I mean, she didn't know anything about football, didn't care anything about football. But she wanted me to get an education, okay? And I knew after visiting with Thomas' grandmother and mom and that education was important. So we talked a lot about how we were going to work with Tommy and what his opportunity was going to be and the kind of person that Auburn, that, that coach I was and, and, and his position coach Bud Casey. And, and, and they bought into that. And Alabama came in on him late to recruit and they're going to change his mind. I guess if they had started early, that he would have gone there. The mom, my grandmother and mom might have wanted him to go there, but they didn't show up until late in the recruiting. And I saw him early on, knew that he could play. Um, and Bud had seen him, so we coached, I had seen him, so we had approved him. And this was somebody we knew we wanted to have at Auburn. And Tommy always tell the story about me coming over there eating, eating all this food. I thought that's what... <laughs> His mom cooked at collard greens and all the one evening and we sat down for dinner and Tommy talking about the way I ate. Tommy, <laughs> there is not a better Auburn player, uh, character that ever been in any player that ever been at Auburn that has a better character and better person than Tommy A. G. Just a great, great person. Joe, you obviously, like we've talked about, worked under a few different head coaches. You got to see the differing styles that you talked about. Now, as Auburn moves into a new era, you know, attempting to to turn things around a little bit and find more success with Hugh Freeze. From from what you observed over the years, what are the most successful characteristics of a head coach? You mentioned the different kinds of characteristics they have, but what are the ones that are the most key that you observed to being a successful head coach? I think I think the number one thing is leadership. When and leadership come in many ways. Number one, you got to be the leader. They got to know that you are the head man. You are in charge. The buck stop with you. And and then discipline, a disciplined head coach that are willing to consistent discipline. You can't treat a superstar different than you treat the third. Team guy, you, you're gonna you're gonna treat them all the same, but you you, you know you're gonna and every kid is different, so you treat the kid according. I said, well, you do you treat this guy, your great guy, like well, you got to have a relationship with all of them, and you talk with all of them. You understand they need to understand you, and you need to understand them. And I think that's what the good head coaches and all those guys did. Uh, that I, they tried to understand the players, and and then for a head coach, you need to have great assistance because in my case, I tried to stop all issues and all problems, try to keep them away from the head coach. When it got to the head coach, it was serious, very serious. I tried to handle a situation. I knew what he wanted. We met every day. Uh, every morning and and talked about the kids, talked about study hall, talked about class uh, and any problems. And so you made them aware of what's going on, but you tried to handle it. And, but that coach got to, 
they know that he is the leader and he is disciplined and he's going to support the assistant coaches as long as they are right. Coach Dow would tell you now, as long as you want it right, you got 100% of my support. That's the, the assistant coaches. And as did uh, Terry and Tommy, they were both, they all different in their own ways, but they all had that, that discipline and, and that they're well leading, leading. Everybody's different. Hey, Joe, what did you think the first time you saw Bo Jackson run the ball on the practice field? Wow. That's <laughs> I, don't, I can't believe that. <laughs> I know you heard the story. The first time they brought Bo in, they put him at fullback. Almost, almost uh, I think it was five yards where they lined up the fullback, and, and the, quarter, the quarterback took the snap and couldn't, couldn't get it to him. And they had to, they had him moving back a little bit further. So <laughs> yeah, Randy, up. Randy Campbell told me, he, he said, he told told the coaches, that, hey, he's lining up wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting lined so quick. And then they took, did the right thing. They put him back there at halfback and, and it was history. Best athlete I ever seen. Best, best one. And I've seen a lot. I've been close, played against Hersher, Neil Anderson, all those guys over the years. 25 years, you think about the quarterbacks and the running backs. We played against them all. And no doubt in my mind, we practiced against the, uh, Bo Jackson's the best I've seen. Hersher would be, be, in my mind, the next best. And uh, there were so many. So many good ones, Bobby Humphrey, and, and just you could go down a list of guys you had to play. What was your favorite year? Which staff was was your was your favorite to be on? I enjoyed all our staffs, but original, you know, first the first staff is obviously the uh, probably my if I had to pick a favorite, but you know, I I enjoyed working with Pete. Pete Jenkins and that group that we had, and that was absolutely as good a staff, we defensive staff that you could come across. You know, uh, Jack Hines, Pete, and Bill Oliver, and it was a good staff, and enjoyed working with them. Pete Jenkins was just a, like a big brother, or just a close, close friends. He and I are friends to this day. One of the best guys. One of the best guys I've ever been around. Uh, he's a fine, a fine man, solid, and an outstanding football coach. I talked to him not that long ago. He seemed to be doing pretty well. Yes, he and I talked here often. He he's still coaching. He's got that working up players getting prepared to go to the NFL, and he does many uh, staff go talk to defensive staff across the country. Joe, it's always been my opinion that the most successful coaches, be it head coaches, position coaches, coordinators, the the biggest key I've seen for successful coaches has been guys that can be can be hard nosed and tough and demanding and all those things, but at the same time, uh, 
communicate to their players that they care and 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 that 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 they love them. Uh, could you and you you were at the very top of that list. Uh, could you just talk about how you get that done? Well, again, I don't think you can really get it get. You can't do a good job of coaching if the players don't know that you love them. Once they understand, as I said before, once they understand it's, it's not about me, it's about you. I want you to be. I know why your mama, your dad sent you here, and I know what they expect. I, they don't want you to be a failure. They want you to be successful. I don't want you to be a failure. I want you to be successful, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Now, some of these days, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem overboard, but you, when they understand you and you care, they'll listen. They'll, they'll, they trust you. I, I think the, the, the best thing to say, they trust you, that you aren't doing it personally. If, you know, if you discipline one, uh, one got to get up and he, and he has to do a little extra work. It's not for my ego. It's for them to get better. Once they trust that, and and you spend time with players off the field. That's the one thing I always make sure that I did is sit and talk to the players away from football. Not talking about football. I want to know how your mom, how your family's doing. Your sister. I knew that little sister. They that a favorite, you know, foods and that type thing. And just generally trying to know the player, a holistic approach to the player. I tell you what, I, I was at your house a couple of times when you had them had your position groups over. This man can cook some ribs now. I'm going to tell you. Well, I, I got a I got a little secret on that. My next door neighbor helped me out. A guy by the name of Roberts, cook, uh, <laughs> and I stood around the grill, and he 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 done most of the work. He had, he had the special special. And you know that 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 was a great time. You know, back then you could bring them over for an occasional meal, and we would come over on a Thursday night, I believe, and uh, on Sunday night, and and uh, have the kids over. And, you know, let them come over and just lay around, eat, lay around on the floor, watch television, talk, have fun. Let them tell all the stories about me. When I, you know, I listened to them lying, uh, and and we had fun, but they knew when they when they hit the field, it was all business, and that that's a good thing. That 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 is that is what I'm talking about. When they understand the fact that you care about them, and as they are more important to you than anything that you're doing, uh. Their education, number one, the first thing we done when they walked into my meeting room, I think, Philip, you might have seen that at some point. They had to come in and put up the study hall hours that they've got done and the class. We knew they hadn't missed class. My guys didn't miss class. They went to class. They went to study hall. They did what they're supposed to do, and they graduated because that's why they came to Auburn. They didn't come. You know, you think about 1% of your players going to be – NFL players, the rest of them got to go out in the work world. 
And I think about all those guys that I in the work world that are very, very successful because they did it right. They didn't come to Auburn. You know, I think if you, and I told them often, if you come to Auburn and leave this opportunity, you got this opportunity, and you leave here after four years, you don't have a degree and don't have a plan for a career, it's just like somebody robbed you. And, <laughs> and I'm not going to allow that to happen to you. If you, if you stay four years, you're going to leave with something more than just having the experience of playing at Auburn. You're going to leave with an education, and you're going to be prepared to go out in the work world and be successful. And that's, the, that's what we tried to achieve. Well, they learned a lot being around you. I remember the first time I met you, I said, you asked me something. I said, yeah. And you said, what? <laughs> <laughs> you said, yes, sir. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, that was the way I was raised, Ronnie. <laughs> oh, kids nowadays, uh, you know, I, I had to correct my little six-year-old grandson. He'd come in, yeah. <laughs> hey, dude. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your granddaddy. <laughs> I'm going to blister you. Did y'all encounter that much? There's probably a lot of kids from y'all recruited a lot around this area, I guess, if you're from a different part of the country. I grew up in Florida, and I remember my parents are from Alabama. But the kids at school would make fun of me for saying yes, sir, and and yes, ma'am to the teachers at school because they thought I was being they thought I was being a uh, uh, brown nosing. But that's like you said, it's just that's just how you're raised. That's how you're raised, and a lot of kids now they think you know to hear you say yes. I still to this day, even to younger people, when I'm when I go through McDonald's, uh, the server get me something and hand it out. I say, thank you, ma'am. Uh, you, and if they ask me a question, I'm going to say yes, ma'am, or uh, yes, sir. It didn't hurt me, and hopefully it didn't hurt them by me saying that to them. And we move on. It, it, nobody can, can, when you speak to a person politely, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, I don't know what part of that they can't, they can uh, describe being disrespectful. Well, between you and Trickett, y'all both y'all had me scared to death. <laughs> you know, Rick Rick grew up in Mobile, right outside Mobile and Sims, so he and I probably had a lot of the same ways. <laughs> yep. Hard nosed coach. That <laughs> you you wasn't there with Wayne Hall. I wasn't there with Wayne Hall. But, okay. Uh, I had plenty of Trickett though. Outstanding football coach. We had a great staff. We had, we had, we had I mean, our entire staff. I worked worked at Auburn with a lot of very, very good football coaches, and that's that's the, really the highlight of my career with the different coaches I worked with and and the kind of men they were and what they brought to the game. Hey Joe, talk to us about Joe Jr. What's he? How, how many years he got in, in the NFL now? I think this uh, year, year seventeen. Wow, that and makes then, me feel old. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, you and I both are getting old. Uh, he is a pass game coordinator with the, with the Cowboys. Uh, got a good, pretty good defense this year. Uh, Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator. Mike McCarthy is the head coach, and you know Jerry Jones is the owner. Pretty good organization. He's enjoyed. He's enjoying coaching there, and they have a chance. They have a chance. They got. It gets tougher every week with them. He's super well respected around the league for sure. Well, he 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 is just like I was a young coach that trying to make it. He worked hard and and uh, I'm proud of him. I, we all, our family, all. He he, he wants to. Uh, he like doing it right. He's brought up the right way because you know raising children, you raise them the way you were raised, and that's the way he and his sister. Were. As I was raised. Well, let me tell you, you're, uh, anybody that doesn't know your family is missing out. You, you, you and Miss Ethel did a did a magnificent job, and uh, uh, and raised two great kids, and it's uh, it's no surprise. Well, thank you, Philip. We might have proud of him. Uh, my Joe has three children. Boy and two girls, and Dion had the boy girl twin. So we might have, and they both got careers, and we're proud of them. Joe, I just wondered about how how, how you managed to get so old. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I was following you, just trying to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we, I think Joe and I are like three months apart. Yeah, uh, we, I Three months apart, yeah. Philip, Philip, and I—we, we old, we old guys. We the old guys now, Philip. We used to be <laughs> guys on the block. Now we the old guys. I'm afraid we're older than the old guys. We're yeah. the really old guys. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. No, no, you wouldn't a, have it any other way. You got a birthday coming up, March nineteenth, right? March nineteenth. Be seventy-three. Yeah, he's young. Yep. I call, yeah. I call you every year on March 19th and wish you a happy birthday. And you say, hey, you know it's my birthday. I said, what's mine too? Uh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. We've had a lot more of them than you, though, Ronnie. I'm yeah. catching up with you, I think. <laughs> Ronnie has been a good friend. He's been, I can remember Ronnie, Ronnie just taking care of the farm for me when I was it's too busy to get out there. He'd go out there and check it out and make sure everything was in order. Uh, long time, time ago, long time ago, wasn't it, it Ronnie? It was. We had a great time though. Yeah, absolutely. Taking care of the dogs and the and Cody the horse and the horses, Cody. Yeah, that was your favorite horse. I think you liked Cody. I love Cody. I used to go in there and clean his stall out, and he was he was he was my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my favorite riding horses. I never could get Philip on a horse. <laughs> uh, the, and the horse is very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I have been fishing, and in the, in the, in the, I, I pulled about my youngest son and I pulled about thirty brim out of his out of his fishing pond one time. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You all was out fishing. Yeah. I, I never got to go fishing. I got to do things like load up trucks with chicken litter and yeah. Like that. 
<laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie, you got to come and bring bring your crowd fishing. I'm going to do that. I, I owe you that. Bring You bring them and I'll fix lunch for you guys and we'll have a good time. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. Sounds good. Philip, you come anytime. You know, we, the door is always open. I know hey. it. I appreciate it. Your your friendship has been a great deal to me over all these years, and uh, uh, same it's, here. It's been uh, it it was it was fun in those in the eighties. That was uh, it, it was fun in so many ways, and uh, and not just the eighties, all, all the way through. And uh, uh, but I kept when when you were when you were a fundraiser, I kept thinking you were going to. You know, tell them, say, hey, I got this friend that could use a little, too. And you never did do that. <laughs> well, if you wanted to uh, get, make a contribution, I'd come see you instead. <laughs> I, I tell a lot of my Auburn friends that, you know, I love Auburn people, and love, but right now I'm raising money, so I need to come to those that are willing to give the money to the, to the growth of Auburn, invest in the growth. And I'm mighty proud of where we where we are. We got a new football building uh, that I think second to none. Uh, give us the opportunity to be on equal footing with other universities in the league and across the country. So I knew the, I know the coaching staff that are coming in are quite proud of that. Have you been in the new building yet? I haven't been in it since they moved in. Gotcha. I've been through it several times uh, prior to it being finished and moving in. What do you think of the new staff? I don't know them. I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't, with my knee being in the situation, I haven't been over there to meet them. I've heard about most of them. Obviously, I've heard about the head coach. I never met him. Uh, but I do know, uh, McGriff, Wesley McGriff, I know him, and uh, and Zach and and Calike, but the rest of them I have I've got to get to know, and I look forward to it. Sound like a great staff to me. I've heard good things. Well, suddenly I have too, and it sounds like I think they got an opportunity. As you well know, the key to it is players. I mean, you gotta you gotta coach them, you gotta lead them. But you'll know what kind of staff it is. Just watch the, watch the recruiting. Don't worry about the, where they rank. Just watch the kid and that they get in. Ranking is good, but you better the kids better match that ranking. So many times you're a, a five-star is actually a three-star. And a three-star is a five-star. You better know what you're getting. And they do a good job of recruiting. They're going to be very successful. Tell me, tell me about Miss Ethel being a being a coach's wife. Ron Zick used to tell me there's two kinds of coaches' wives, great ones and excellent. Well, my wife is great. <laughs> my, my my wife is a great one. She just she fit all occasions. You know, if Ronnie, if she needed to go out there and feed a horse or feed the dogs and nobody else, she would take care of it. If she whatever it need. Whatever it needs, she took care of it. And the number one thing she did was was raise my the two children. I give her credit. You know, they knew daddy was there. And 
but many times I they will sleep when I got home and they will sleep when I left. But they they turned out really, really good. And uh we tried to spend a lot of time during the off season, uh what little off season we had with them and only them, you know, that was my wife is very special as is every other coach's wife. I know it's difficult to be a coach's wife. Or anybody. I'm sure it's difficult to be a minister's wife. They're always on the go. Taking <laughs> up children, doing ministering and to other people. But don't ever forget the family. Family's first. You always said that. Got to be. Yeah, I always, I always introduce that. I always tell everybody you're my second dad. Well, I feel very proud that you. Ex- I feel the same way about you, Ron. After you're very, very special to me. The uh, same here. I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah. I, I would, I would proudly be my son. Ronnie is is first class. It won't come better. <laughs> I say that in front of your face and behind your back, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, guys, y'all about got everything you need from me? We do. I think so, Coach. We really appreciate it. I thought that was awesome. Well, I'm mighty proud to do it. And, you know, what you with you guys, I didn't know you had the connection with Coach Dye, which made it very good. <laughs> Ronnie and Philip. Philip and I go back. Ooh, we ain't going to tell them I was Philip. We're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's uh, it, that back before uh, before Joe's Auburn days. So, uh, my Auburn days, yeah. It, it's uh, but it, it's uh, you know, uh, I, I've you see people in your life that you say that's that's the that's the kind of professional, the kind of kind of man I'd want to be. I'd want my kids to be, and you're that person. And I mean that. Yeah, I mean, you're, uh, uh, you've done it right. Well, thank you very much. And I say this, and I, I would say, you know, Philip knew me back when I was a high school coach, and he treated me the same as a high school coach. The great thing about Philip, he didn't wait. You know, I get to Auburn and, get to moving up a little bit, doing some thing that he going to be, he was always there. And, and he knew I'm telling this truth about him. He was always there. We're always friends. We're always seemed like we had that little, little bond, maybe because we're both old, same age group. (laughs) Special friend. Absolutely. Yep. Thank y'all so much. All right, thanks, Joe. Yeah, thanks so much. All right. Merry Christmas, but I'll tell you, talk to you before then.